0: successful actress and pop star, he was a music icon with the world at his feet. So how exactly did J-Lo and P. Diddy find themselves on the run from police, accused of firing a gun in a nightclub? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited.
1: Sarah McDonald,
0: Hello. Michelle Andrews. Hi. I've got to say when we started a podcast called Scandal,
1: I don't think we could have thought of a more perfect, short, sharp scandal than this one. Exactly right. I didn't know about this story, despite all of the research that we do in the celebrity space, all of the varying segments we do on the podcast, for some reason, this had never come across my desk, my research until we actually sat down and went, right, what are the biggest, most iconic scandals in celebrity history? And lots of people, including my older sister, Claire, were kind of yelling at me, being like, you have to do J-Lo and P. Diddy.
0: I think it's really interesting as well, because J-Lo is obviously everywhere at the moment with her rekindled romance with Ben Affleck. But I think what other people are talking about now that J-Lo and Ben are back together is J-Lo's very storied history with her Mm -hmm. exes, and in particular with P. Diddy. Now, the thing about P. Diddy, or Sean Combs, as he was born, is he's changed... Changed his name a little bit over the years. (laughs) A little bit. He's also been known as Puff Daddy, Puffy, P. Diddy, and most recently, Diddy. I think we're going to call him P. Diddy or Diddy or some variation of that through this, whatever comes to mind most.
1: Well, I simply refuse to call
0: him Puffy. I'm sorry. Puffy's so. a bit much, but interestingly, as well, I didn't realize that. Then this might be showing my age here, but I didn't realize that P. Diddy and J. Lo dated until J. Lo and Ben Affleck got back together. And P. Diddy posted that very iconic photo of them back mm. in 2000 on his Instagram just with the hashtag TBT. So I was like, oh my gosh. Is he shit-stirring here? I totally forgot that these two were a thing. Yeah, he loves stirring up a little bit of
1: drama. So if you aren't aware of this story, if you're coming to us with zero information and background on this – Don't worry, guys, that is our job. We're going to get you across it as best we can. We were only five years old when this happened, so no wonder we didn't know very much about it. But let us tell you, this is a scandal for the ages. No cheating in this series, just good old crime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a classic. Let's rewind back to 1999.
1: All right, Zara, we are in 1999. This is the year that J-Lo meets P. Diddy. But first, we need to actually introduce who J-Lo was at this point. Where was her celebrity profile at?
0: Yeah, I think when you think of J-Lo, you probably first think of her incredibly iconic songs. You've got Jenny from the Block, On the Floor, Let's Get Loud, some absolute crackers in there. (laughs) But before she was a pop star, J-Lo actually made a name for herself as a rising actress. Now, in a 1998 profile of J-Lo, Movieline wrote that Jennifer's strategy was playing big, so playing Mm. some big roles.
1: Yeah, so her first big role was in 1991. She was only aged 22. It was actually on the Fox sketch comedy TV series In Living Colour. She starred alongside comedians like Jamie Foxx and Jim Carrey. So, like, what a way to break into the industry.
0: I think when I thought about J-Lo's acting career... I think, about Made in Manhattan and that,
1: but there was a lot that came before this that led her to Made in Manhattan. Well, am I an idiot? Maybe we need to poll the listeners on this. I thought J-Lo's pop star career preceded her acting career. I thought she was like kind of like Britney Spears where you develop this music career and then executives look at you and go put her in a blockbuster she'll sell movies. That's exactly what I thought as well so it'll be very interesting to see if we're the idiots or if everybody <laughs> agrees
0: with us. She actually did go on to backup dance for Janet Jackson but in 1993 did choose to properly focus on her acting career instead. Now in just a few years j rose through the ranks of TV shows and dramas and actually went on to appear alongside some of the the biggest stars in Hollywood. I mean, she held roles alongside Woody Harrelson in Money Train, Robin Williams in Jack, and Jack Nicholson in Blood and Wine, just to name a few.
1: Yeah, so... She was already doing very, very well, already absolutely killing it, but then came along the 1997 biopic Selena, in which she played the music star Selena Quintanilla-Perez. So Selena was a very famous music star who was murdered at the age of 23. When JLo auditioned for this role, she actually beat out 22,000 other applicants for the part, And then, after being the one in 22,000, negotiated a million dollar paycheck for herself, making J-Lo the first Latin actress to earn a million dollars for a movie role. Yeah, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress
0: in a Musical or Comedy. And I think I've probably sold her short Mm. when it comes to her acting career. I didn't realise that she was playing these parts that were so big and so critically acclaimed. What is really interesting going back through some of the profiles of JLo at this time is one of the main things that people note down about her is her incredible confidence. Remarkable confidence. And I think that's interesting because it is something that we hear about her still today. So in a profile with MovieLine asked about why she was making it in the industry right now, she shot back this. Because I'm the best, I feel I can do anything, any kind of role. I'm fearless. I work really hard. I'll just get better as I go along because I'm open to getting better. A lot of people go into meetings and auditions all nervous. No, you've got to have wow. I tell my actress friends this all the time. I walk into auditions going What's going to make me different from all the other girls here? They're looking for the next star to walk into that room. It's about being alive, open, electric, confident. That's the wow.
1: I am so not wow.
0: I'm thoroughly without wow. I'm not wow at all. But like, it's incredible to consider the fact that J-Lo didn't develop this sense of wow. Like it was all very much built in from the
1: beginning. And also kind of manufactured going, I have to convince them that I have wow. I have to just flick it on like a switch and be different to all of the other anxious actresses walking into that room.
0: But it does make a lot of sense. Like if we're talking about blockbuster stars, like you want to know that they have like this incredible charisma, this incredible confidence that they do carry themselves differently to anybody else. So it's like the definition of fake it till you make it, except I don't even know if she was faking it.
1: Yeah, she clearly lived that out. She has proven that she is everything she said in that quote and more. So in 1999, Jennifer also broke into the music industry and rebranded to JLo. lo She was no longer Jennifer Lopez. She was JLo. lo And under the name JLo, lo she released her debut single, If You Had My Love, in May. She became the first artist to top the Billboard 1 with a debut single since Britney Spears did the same thing with Baby One More Time. Yeah,
0: pretty incredible. I think one thing I didn't know about J-Lo is that her music career was actually relatively manufactured, which is not to take away from the success that she's had, but it is to say there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes when it came to how she created this pop career for herself.
1: Yeah, so Lo was signed to Sony to kickstart this pop star career. She wasn't Sony's biggest talent when she was signed, though, not by a long shot. They actually represented Mariah Carey. Now, the Mariah Carey and JLo tension, I'll call it. I don't want to say feud, that feels loaded and sexist. Well, but and the-
0: they also haven't met, so I'm not sure if you can have a feud with someone they say they've never met.
1: Yes, but the tension that Mariah Carey keeps talking about in the media can be explained by the earliest days back at Sony. Yes, exactly.
0: So Mariah Carey at the time was Sony's biggest artist, as we said. She was married to the chairman and the CEO of Sony, a guy called Tommy Matola. Now, Tommy Mottola was the guy that she actually later accused of being abusive and of spying on her. In her 2020 memoir, Mariah Carey claimed that after she left the marriage to Tommy Mottola and therefore her contract with Sony in 1998, Mottola retaliated by giving away a sample that she was planning to use on the lead single of her upcoming album, Glitter, So Mariah Carey wrote in this book, After hearing my new song, using the same sample I used, Sony rushed to make a single for another female entertainer on their label.
1: That other female entertainer was, in fact, J-Lo. The song was one of her biggest songs ever, I'm Real. So the memoir passages from Mariah Carey, did confirm this long-running speculation that something was a little bit off between JLo lo and Mariah, despite the fact that they haven't actually met. So... She says, according to Mariah, Tommy Mottola really lifted up J-Lo to be a direct competitor for Mariah Carey in the market. J-Lo was positioned as someone who would reach the same demographic, the same customer base that Mariah Carey did. And obviously, that is something that's going to breed intense competition, particularly if samples are being swapped back and forth between the women.
0: Yeah. And you can totally understand, I guess, with a label like Sony to lose one of their, if not their biggest star they kind of have to create someone who is going to rival Mariah who is elsewhere. Like they need their number one female star and J-Lo was there and had the potential. Now in the past, what's really interesting is Mariah has insinuated that she and J-Lo aren't really in the same field or league at all. Speaking to Larry King in 2002, Mariah was actually asked about the rivalry and said, There are rivalries, but I don't think she has anything to do with me. My whole thing is singing, writing songs. I've been doing this my whole life. Singing is first and foremost. It's a God-given talent that I am grateful for. Her thing is something different.
1: Eek. 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 Very Mariah Carey to come out and just (laughs) say exactly what she was thinking. Now, this quote really pointed to what at the time was kind of an open secret in the industry. So Mariah Carey is talking about how she has a God-given talent. She's an incredible singer. The deal with J-Lo is something different. And what you could suggest that she's pointing to is this idea that J-Lo is not a naturally gifted singer. Actually, in the intervening years since that 2002 interview on Larry King, Recording artists have come forward and said that J-Lo uses ghost singers on her singles. And I want to make it really, really clear. We are massive fans of J-Lo. She is an impeccably talented human being. She's clearly an awesome dancer, an awesome actress. She has received accolades because of that talent. However when it comes to her singing, there are question marks.
0: Yeah, so Grazia magazine actually wrote that the song Play was written and sung by the singer Christina Milian. Another singer, Ashanti, can also be heard singing on Ain't It Funny and I'm Real. And what's kind of worse about this story is that she did say in 2014 that much earlier she had once gone in to do a demo tape of the record
1: for j to kind of listen to and follow as, I guess, a bit of a training ground, Mish? Yeah, I only just learned about this in the music industry when we were doing this. So basically, production labels get lower profile singers to go into a studio, record the track how it should be done in like notes and I guess melodies, whatever. Then the pop star comes in to essentially replicate what that singer has done.
0: Yes, but what happened in this case, according to Ashanti, is that she alleges that producers just kept her hook and some of the background sounds and ad-libs in the final track. So Mm. instead of getting J-Lo to come in and re-record, they kind of used a bit of Ashanti's work in the final track.
1: Yeah, so listening to that song, you're probably thinking this is all J-Lo, but no, at least some of it, according to Ashanti, isn't J-Lo at all. On top of this, apparently the chorus for Jenny from the block is rumored to be sung by Natasha Ramos. Again, not J-Lo. I feel a bit jibbed.
0: <laughs> no, I don't, because I still love these songs so much. Added to that, apparently some of the vocals in If You Had My Love are by Sean Yet Harrell and the iconic we can get right, get right. <laughs> I'm not singing that. <laughs> On J.Lo's 2005 song,
1: Get Right, was allegedly sung by background singer Yianna Crawley. Yeah, so sidebar over, this is all to say that when you listen to a J.Lo song on Spotify, it might not be entirely J.Lo's voice. Let's get back to 1999, though, Zara. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We need to introduce everyone to the second player in this scandal story. His name is Puffy P. Diddy Diddy. Exactly. (laughs) So by 1999,
0: Sean Combs, or Diddy, was basically a huge success. Now, not just as a rapper, but as a producer and an entrepreneur. He has had one of the most incredible careers
1: Mm, I've read, right? Absolutely. So he actually didn't have it easy growing up either, which makes his success even more impressive. Diddy was raised in New York by his mother, who was a teacher's assistant. He had a father who served in the US Air Force, but was heavily involved in drug dealing. When Diddy was just three years old, his father was shot dead while sitting in his car in Central Park.
0: Yeah, Diddy went on to attend Howard University, but he was always apparently looking for business opportunities. He used to sell tickets to rap and dance parties that he hosted and did end up selling term papers, which I imagine is what little like exam assignment papers is how we'd call them here.
1: Yeah, he's filling in people's essay questions or whatever and selling his responses. Clearly a very intelligent guy to be able to do that. After two years of university, though, Diddy did drop out and return to New York to work at a record label called Uptown Records. In Manhattan. So he was clearly a young little whippersnapper and convinced the head of the label, Andre Harrell, to hire him as an intern. He told Rolling Stone that Andre became such a mentor to him that he was even able to sleep at Andre Harrell's house. Yeah,
0: incredible. He also turned his internship into a job as talent director. So he ended up helping guide the careers of people like Mary J. Blige. Now, alongside this, He also very quickly developed as a producer. He had this knack, and I quote from Rolling Stone, for mixing a taste for good hard-edged radical rhythms with strong melodies and familiar pop samples at the age of just 19. This is insane. Sean Combs, or P. Diddy, was made Vice President for Artists and Repertoire at the company. He was hugely successful. He also achieved multi-platinum hits with the artists he helped produce,
1: like Mary J. Blige. Imagine hitting that success after dropping out of university so, so quickly. Like, clearly the decision to go back to New York and make it in the music industry was the best one he could have made. Now, for all the success we've just touched on, I mean, to reach VP of a category in that company is incredible. It didn't work out. In 1993, when Diddy was aged 24 years old, He was actually fired from his job at Uptown Entertainment. We couldn't find a heap of information as to why. The only quotes we really got were about P. Diddy being a little too cocky and a little too arrogant.
0: Exactly. Of that time, P. Diddy told Rolling Stone, it became a situation where it was two kings in one castle and it was his castle, so I found myself in the
1: moat. Mm, Interesting. He quickly pivoted and started up his own record label. It was called Bad Boy Entertainment. Based on his success at Uptown, he actually signed a $15 million distribution deal with Arista Records for his new label. Like, The amount of money and success that this man is achieving in his early 20s is insane. Well, just the deals that he's been able to cut because
0: of the contacts and the reputation that he has very young is really incredible. He worked out of his mum's home actually looking for talent and he did really well for himself. He signed a young man called Christopher G. Wallace, who of course is known as the Notorious B.I.G. or Biggie Smalls, who went on to become one of the biggest rappers of all time.
1: Yeah, when Biggie's album was released, it became an overnight hit. and obviously so did Diddy as well. The New York Times reported that artists including Mariah Carey and Aretha Franklin were suddenly coming to Diddy to seek out help in his recording studio. One industry exec told the Times that some artists were paying Diddy as much as 250 grand to produce a single song. I mean, good cash. (laughs) And fair enough too, by all
0: accounts, he was a really hardworking person as well. The New York Times wrote that he worked between 14 and 20 hour days functioning on few hours sleep and told people that he planned to make history as a young black entrepreneur. Now, really tragically, as we know, Biggie Smalls was shot dead just a few years later in 1997. And around this time, Diddy actually started releasing his own music under the stage name Puff Daddy. He told Jet Magazine that he'd earned the name Puffy as a kid because, and I quote, whenever I got mad as a kid, I always used to huff and puff. I had a temper.
1: Yeah. So after B.E. died, Diddy decided to commemorate him in a single called I'll Be Missing You. That song topped the Billboard charts for 28 weeks and I can hear it in my head right now. Yeah, same. What a great song. He followed this up as well
0: with his debut album as a rap artist called No Way Out, which went on to win two Grammy Awards. So he's like, not only as he nailed the producing side, he's also now nailing the artist side.
1: Yeah, on top of that as well, he's not even just a musician or a business person. In 1997, he opened his own restaurant, named after his son Justin It opened in New York City. In 1998, he launched his own clothing line called Sean Jean. By 2001, the New York Times said that Diddy runs an entertainment conglomerate of a dozen main companies that gross more than $300 million a year and employ 400 people. Insane. And that is J-Lo
0: and that is Diddy. And we're going to work out exactly how these two met and fell in love after the break. Okay, Mish. So J-Lo and P. Diddy started dating in September 1999 after meeting at work, actually. Diddy was working on J-Lo's If You Had My Love
1: music video. Yeah. At this point in time, J-Lo had just finalized her first divorce. She actually married a Hani Noah in 1997, but a couple years later, it wasn't working out. They were filing for divorce. Diddy, on the other hand, was no longer with the mother of his first child, Justin. So at this point in time, surprisingly, they're 30 already. These two feel like they're vampires because they just never fucking age. I thought they'd be like 30 now. We were five when this happened. And the fact they were 30 back then, yet they look so young, so hot and so relevant is just testament to the careers that they have built for themselves. Anyway, They're 30, they're single, very successful, very hot, and they meet at work.
0: Yeah, they meet at work, as we say, in September 1999. So they're only dating about three-ish months when we fast forward to the evening That really changed a lot of things. It's December 27, 1999. So P Diddy and J Lo are heading to Club New York
1: in Manhattan to attend its weekly hot chocolate party. Hot chocolate party. Now they were there to celebrate the album release of an up and coming rapper called Shine. Shine's real name is Jamal Barrow. He has since changed again to Moses Barrow now, but he was not just any rapper. He was really considered to be the next big thing. In fact, Diddy kind of pinned all of his record labels' future success on Shine.
0: Yeah, in the late 90s, things weren't going as smoothly for P. Diddy. In 1999, the chart-topping band The Locks left Diddy's label. Other artists also tried to leave the company due to his, and I quote, Alleged
1: onerous one sided
0: agreements and controlling nature.
1: Yeah, Diddy's 1999 album Forever also had disappointing sales. The New York Times wrote that on the street, there was a growing sense that Mr. Combs was done. The Times reported that Diddy had really placed all of these hopes in Shine. Shine was a 21-year-old guy from Belize and he was dubbed Diddy's protege.
0: Exactly. So everything was going fine at this club night. It was, as we said, December 27, just after Christmas 1999. And everything was fine until JLo and Diddy went to leave. And here's what happened or at least here's what police and the courts were able to pull together from eyewitness accounts. And this is kind of where it gets a bit messy, right? Because <laughs> something can happen and many different people can leave with very different interpretations of what happened. But around 2:20 a.m., JLo and Diddy started to leave the club. They started to head out of the club. Diddy was carrying a bottle of champagne and apparently he accidentally knocked a drink out of another patron's hand. That patron's name was Matthew Allen, or better known by his street name, Scar.
1: Yeah, it turned out that Scar was not the guy you want to cross a nightclub, even if it's accidentally. So what happened next is hotly, hotly disputed. What we do know is that comments were made about Diddy's wealth. Some said that Diddy threw money at Scar, quote, like confetti, Others said that Scar was throwing thick wads of cash at Diddy. Now, regardless, we know that money was being thrown around. (laughs) We don't know exactly how, but money was in the air. We don't know how it travelled. I mean, when you throw a note, it's not like it just piffs across the room. It kind of just sprinkles around the air. So there's confusion. We know that money's in the air at a nightclub at 2am in the morning and what happens when cash is being thrown around? People dive to the floor and try to grab it. So you've got this chaos ensuing where people are scrambling to pick up wads of cash.
0: Exactly. And suddenly gunshots were fired, injuring three people. One shot hit a bouncer at the club named Julius Jones in the shoulder. Another grazed a woman named Natanya Rubin across the face. And the third hit a guy called Robert Thompson in the shoulder. Now Diddy and J-Lo fled the scene in his 1999 Lincoln Navigation. Reportedly driven by his part time driver, a guy named Wardle Fenderson. Now, according to the prosecution much later, they ran 11 red lights on 8th Avenue before police pulled them over. The police then discovered a handgun in the car and arrested both Diddy and JLo.
1: The anxiety I feel in my chest, even at the thought, like me visualizing myself running. Threw 11 red lights away from the police. So many red lights. Just tells me I'm not built for that life. Like I'm not built to be out at a club at 2am in the morning, let alone like... Especially not at 30. I'm not built at... <laughs> I wasn't built for that at like 25. <laughs> so we have a situation on our hands. JLo and Diddy were arrested by the police for possession of a weapon without a gun license. J.Lo lo would spend the next 14 hours locked up in a police cell. The New York Daily News ran a huge splash all about, and I quote, her night in hell. So here's a line from that piece. Superstar Jennifer Lopez sobbed
0: uncontrollably in a police station house yesterday after police said she and rat mogul boyfriend Sean Puffy Combs were caught fleeing a nightclub shooting with a stolen gun in their car. It reported that according to police, J. Lo had spent the night and I quote, handcuffed to a bench in a midtown precinct, locked alone in a cell and fingerprinted. <sighs>
1: One police source told the paper that Jennifer had been, and I quote, crying all over the place in the squad room and that she was just upset about the whole thing. The paper added, while in custody with her hair pulled back and her makeup smeared from crying, the bombshell looked nothing like the star who heated up the screen in Out of Sight and Selena. One cop told the paper, she's a beautiful woman, no doubt about it, but she looked kind of plain Jane-ish." I'm just not sure... If that's where our focus needs to be or at all. I feel like all the tabloid reporting in the 90s and noughties was like drunk reporters just adding bullshit misogynistic lines for no real reason.
0: Yeah I agree with that. Meanwhile P. Diddy had actually been trying to apparently secure his girlfriend's freedom. So police documents later revealed that P. Diddy had asked the police multiple times if J. Lo would be released if someone claimed ownership of the gun found inside the vehicle. I mean you've got this gun inside the vehicle. No one's kind of owning up to why it's there. And he said, if someone does, would you get my girlfriend out? Eventually, JLo actually had the charges against her dropped. She was freed at 4 p.m. that day after the Manhattan District Attorney's Office agreed to drop charges in exchange for agreeing to testify before a grand jury about what happened that night.
1: Yeah, she walked out of the station wearing the same overcoat with a fur collar that she'd worn at the club and jumped into a Mercedes that was waiting for her. Diddy was also released. His charges were not dropped, but he was released on bail. $10,000 was the price for him to kind of walk free from jail that day. That seems very low to me.
0: Yeah. But maybe considering the charges, that's just, you know, what they're used to. Mm. And just because he did he had bucket loads of money didn't really matter. Doesn't
1: change anything.
0: Yeah. So for this story, we had to go pretty deep into the archives of MTV and the New York Times to really kind of understand what happened next. So on December 31, a few days after the shooting. Diddy and j Lo turned up at the Manhattan Criminal Court's building so j Lo could testify as promised. Now, this was a pretty big deal. j Lo had to do this in order to have the charges dropped, but also this was just going to be a mammoth story for mm-hmm. her to testify. The New York Times reported that J.Lo was, and I quote, all smiles yesterday as she left the courthouse after several hours of meetings and testimony. She would not answer reporters' questions about what she saw in the club or about her future with Mr. Combs, and sped off in a Ford expedition followed by Lincoln and Mercedes Coupes.
1: Inside the courtroom, apparently things were very, very serious. Diddy wasn't the only one coming under scrutiny. So was his protege that we spoke about, Shine. Prosecutors alleged that both Diddy and Shine drew 9 millimeter pistols after a man threw money at Sean's face. As per a New York Times article from the time, prosecutors said that Diddy and Jamal Burrow, Shine, a young rap artist who was with him at the Club New York that night, both drew 9 millimeter pistols after a man threw money in Mr. Combs's face. Mr. Barrow fired his gun, wounding three people, and was caught fleeing with a gun in his waistband. A loaded but unfired 9 millimeter pistol was found in the front seat of the Lincoln Navigator that Mr. Combs and Ms. Lopez fled in with a bodyguard. So basically it was argued that both... Diddy and his protege Shine both drew guns. Shine fired the gun and Diddy fled. Yes, exactly. So, why exactly was Diddy in trouble? As well.
0: Prosecutors said police had found a loaded but unfired gun in the front seat of Diddy's car. So, yes, not only did that link him perhaps to the crime scene itself, but also
1: it was just an, a very illegal thing to do. Yeah, Diddy's lawyer did try to dismiss this lawsuit against Diddy as frivolous. They denied the gun was his. I think they really, truly hoped that this would all go away but that did not happen. On January 14th, so a few weeks later, a jury indicted Diddy for possession of not one, but two illegal handguns. When we say the word indictment, it's basically a very American way of saying he was formally charged. Yeah, it sounds far
0: more serious to me than it is. Not that a charge is not serious at all, but indictment sounds like he's been found guilty of Like you're hauled into a prison cell and we're locking you up. No, but it is just to say, nope, you're formally charged. We're going to pursue this. So where the hell did this second gun come from, Mish? Because we hadn't actually mentioned a second gun yet with Diddy. Well, to understand the second gun thing, you'll need to remember Wardle Fenderson, who was Diddy and JLo's driver that night. Now, although his testimony was sealed, evidence presented by prosecutors indicated That he saw Diddy throw a gun out the window of the car as they fled police and ran those 11 lights. So you've got the gun at the front seat and allegedly a gun that's also thrown out the window. You can't just throw a gun out the window.
1: (laughs) Imagine just walking by and seeing this. And the funny thing is, someone did walk by and see this. A witness walking down 8th Avenue saw a gun thrown or says they saw a gun thrown from Diddy's vehicle. They were the ones who picked it up and turned it over to police. Law enforcement officials told the New York Times that there was evidence that Diddy and his bodyguard had tried to stash both of the guns in secret compartments of the car, but hadn't been able to get the compartments. I mean, you can kind of imagine that. You're trying to shove these guns. I'm thinking of my my silly little glove box in my Mazda (laughs) trying to shove some guns in there. It probably wouldn't fit. Well, I think as well, this sounds a little bit more serious and like meticulously planned out than just a glove box. It sounds like they almost had safes in this car. Okay, yeah, I do not have those. Hidden (laughs) compartments. So anyway, apparently when they couldn't get the compartments open, the police alleged that Diddy had thrown one gun on the floor and the bodyguard had thrown the other out the window. Shine was also charged with three counts of attempted murder. Murder for pulling his own gun and firing it three times in the nightclub. Now, as part of this case, Diddy told the grand jury in January, "The decision to indict me is wrong. I'm innocent, and we will prove it. I'm putting my faith in God, and I know my name will be cleared." J.Lo also issued a statement about this, and she did really stand alongside her boyfriend Diddy. She said, "I was with him that evening. At no time did I see him with a gun." Don't know if I believe that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that wasn't the end of Sean's worries,
0: though. In February, Sean was indicted on charges of trying to bribe his driver, which was one of the witnesses that we mentioned, Wendell Fenderson, with $50,000 worth of cash and a $300,000 diamond ring to take responsibility for the gun found in his car. Sean's bodyguard was also
1: accused of trying to bribe a witness.
0: I mean, just messy
1: as. Yeah, to make this even messier, this indictment was handed down hours before Diddy and J-Lo were due to appear on the red carpet of the Grammy Awards. So Diddy had been nominated for a Grammy that night for Best Rap Performance. He sadly didn't win. But I think this shows the trick mirror of the celebrity world because I can guarantee that everyone listening to this would have seen before the iconic green dress that J-Lo wore to the Grammys red carpet that year. It went down in internet history as one of the biggest celebrity moments maybe ever on a red carpet. So you're looking at this beautiful, hot, successful, attractive young couple living their best life, making a fashion moment. But at the same time, that couple is probably living through the most stressful day of their entire lives. Yeah, exactly. And a fun fact about that dress that J-Lo wore, I mean, it was so
0: iconic. We're not even overstating it, that that dress was the reason that Google Images was created. Mm. So former Google CEO Eric Schmidt wrote on a media website called Project Syndicate that J.Lo's green dress became the most popular search query Google had ever seen at the time. But Google was around two years old at this time, didn't have any way of giving people the photos of her in the dress specifically. Mm. So because of that, they were inspired to create Google Images.
1: So there you go, guys. If you ever see this image, you see J.Lo's iconic green dress, you see Diddy beside her, just know that was the day that he was indicted. So Diddy's lawyer denied the charges and actually... Queried whether or not they were suspiciously timed and I quote, to embarrass Mr. Combs. So the lawyer was kind of insinuating, you guys have only put this through today or rushed this through today because you know he is about to be in front of the eyes of the world on one of the biggest red carpets.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so began the trial. So the trial actually began on January 17, 2001, about a year after he was formally indicted. It ran through to mid-March and Diddy and Shine appeared as co defendants in the court. You can imagine what a bloody media circus this would have been Mm. at the time. So the prosecution actually argued at the very beginning of the trial that Diddy was actually facing a maximum sentence of 15 years (laughs) in prison for gun possession and seven years for bribery.
1: Yeah. So witnesses did testify that they saw Shine holding a smoking gun during the nightclub shooting. None of them did testified that they saw Diddy with a gun or that they saw Diddy fire a gun, importantly. Diddy's lawyers argued that the sweatsuit he wore the night of the shooting couldn't have concealed a handgun either? This is my favourite part about court cases like this because the
0: level of detail they go Mm. to to prove that this mustn't have been the case is always very extreme.
1: Yeah, at one point his legal team also used J-Lo's presence to create enough doubt around the idea that Diddy would have been carrying a gun inside a nightclub. They said, I don't know if you know this judge, but this person Jennifer Lopez is a very famous actress. (laughs) To think Mr Holmes is walking around with her with a loaded gun. It's so ridiculous that it stretches the imagination. What do you think? I don't even know. (laughs) Although the world was watching Diddy during
0: this trial, it is actually worth noting that Shine was only 21 years old here and was facing up to 25 years in prison. So yes, a celebrity scandal, but also like your entire lives on the line here. Mm. Shine actually eventually admitted to firing a gun at the club that night, but maintained that he was acting in self-defense and that it was another gunman's
1: bullets that injured the victims. Mm, It wasn't until March 2001 that a Manhattan jury acquitted Diddy of all charges brought against him. The New York Times reported the moment, writing, Mr. Combs stood in a rumpled beige suit visibly shaking as the jury filed into the courtroom at 6.10pm, his hand tapping the defence table where he had sat listening to testimony for the last seven weeks. First, a gasp was heard, then a whoop went into courtroom as the verdict was read. Mr Combs was found not guilty of four counts of illegal possession of a gun and one count of bribery. Really interesting stuff, yeah.
0: I mean, I imagine looking at this case and having researched it with you, Mish, that the prosecution were basically arguing things that they had no witnesses to back them up. So Mm. the case just became a little bit flimsy when it came to P. Diddy Diddy's bodyguard was also found not guilty on charges of bribery and illegal possession of a gun, but Shine, unfortunately, was not so lucky. Then just 22, Shine was found guilty of five of the eight charges laid against him. He was convicted on two accounts of assault, reckless endangerment and gun possession. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison.
1: Yeah, hard to stomach when you think... How quickly his star could have risen. Like yeah. he has a mentor in Diddy. He's just signed this huge record label deal, and then suddenly one brief moment changes everything. Shine told the judge, Charles Solomon, in what one reporter from NTV called a choked voice. I never meant to hurt nobody. I was afraid for my life. I'm asking for mercy and for you to not waste my life. The judge did tell the packed courtroom that the sentencing decision was one of the most difficult he had ever faced. He said, it's a tragedy all round. This is a young man who had a promising future. But while he saw a lot of good in shine, the judge said he could not overlook the seriousness of his crime.
0: Yeah. Did he actually issued a statement the afternoon of the sentence, calling it unfair and extreme he also said i know that he had no intention of hurting anyone my prayers are with him and his family i am shocked by today's outcome i will continue to support shine throughout his appeal
1: shine ended up spending nine years in prison he claims that diddy sold him out to save his own skin so there's a little bit of bad blood there he said in a track that he released after the incident what you gonna do when shit hit the fan take it like a man or snitch like a bitch
0: Yeah, very telling lyrics there, aren't they? And pretty serious allegations from Shine. Where is Shine now then, Mish, after nine years in prison? Well, one of the more interesting stories here (laughs) is what happened to Shine after the court case. He was virtually unknown before the shooting, but the highly publicised trial meant that suddenly a lot of people knew his name. Mm. In prison, he actually signed a $3 million contract with Def Jam Records. And in 2004, he released his second album, while in prison, which was partially recorded over the phone. It hit number one on Billboard's top
1: R&B and hip-hop chart. Insane. While Shine resented Diddy, according to New York Magazine, they did appear to make up down the track. So Shine went on to embrace Judaism. He renamed to Moses and was spotted at Paris Fashion Week in 2012 with Diddy. They were seen attending the Kenzo and Givenchy shows together. He also continued to make music, but in a wild twist. I was not (laughs) expecting this when I looked up his profile now. He is now a politician in his home country of Belize. He was actually... Elected in 2020, and now serves as the leader of the opposition in the House of Representatives. What a story about <laughs> Shine! And then what about Diddy and J Lo?
0: I mean, as we know, J Lo and P Diddy didn't last. They split on Valentine's Day in 2001. So that was actually in the middle of Diddy's trial. According to J Lo, it wasn't because of what happened that night at the club or the fact that he was on trial and could have potentially been sentenced to 21 years in prison. In fact, in 2003, she told Vibe magazine that she finally dumped Diddy after years of being in an on-again, off-again relationship because he was cheating on her. Oh, Diddy. These are her quotes. It was the first time I was with someone who wasn't faithful. I was in this relationship with Puff where I was totally crying, crazy, and going nuts. It really took my whole life in a tailspin.
1: The magazine asked JLo about the reports that during their relationship, she would go knocking on hotel room doors looking for where her boyfriend was. She told them, I can't remember right now, but I won't say it didn't happen. I never caught him, but I just knew. He'd say he was going to a club for a couple of hours and then never come back that night. Apparently, they broke up so many times in the 18 months that JLo and Diddy were together, that when she dumped him for good in February 2001, Diddy didn't believe her. She said, I had to think, do I want to be home with kids in 10 years wondering where somebody is at three in the morning? She called it a torrid relationship.
0: I do think the word torrid is horrendously underused. Mm, it is a wonderful word, great torrid. Word. But despite treating her the way that she alleges, in 2017, Diddy said that she was without a doubt one of his great loves. As for Diddy himself, he ended up dropping the name Puff Daddy, as we know, in an attempt to distance himself from the whole ordeal, which I actually never knew, Mish. Yeah. I always knew Diddy as someone who had changed his name a bit throughout the ages, but I never realised that he changed his name from Puff Daddy because he didn't want to be associated with everything that happened.
1: It kind of makes sense that you would be running away from the worst scandal to ever rock your career, particularly one as messy and drawn out as this one. He did tell MTV News in 2001, when I come back, I am changing the name. No more Puff Daddy. You know, out with the old, we done beat the Puff Daddy name up enough. He finally tried out the name P Diddy before announcing in 2005 that he was simply going to be called Diddy. He told NBC's Today show, I felt the P was coming." Between me and my fans, we had to simplify it. It was, you know, doing concerts and half the crowd saying P Diddy and half the crowd chanting Diddy. Now everybody can just chant Diddy. Zara, I think that's basically where we're going to leave this one. Yeah, that is where we're going to leave this one on the very simple note that
0: he is now known <laughs> as Diddy. I mean, what a story. I have to say, for people our age, I think, Mish, this is a story that both JLo and did have been able to move on from pretty seamlessly, at least mm. in our eyes, because it's not something we even knew. I mean, the person who kind of had the biggest consequence was Shine, who spent nine years in prison. And I don't think you can listen to this scandal or research this scandal and just wonder in your mind a little bit, how the 21-year-old spent nine years in prison and Diddy didn't spend any time at all. But we have no Mm. answers about that. We just know
1: that's how it worked. Yeah, and thankfully, I mean, the one saving grace is that thankfully Shine has built a really great life for himself. I mean, signed $3 million record deals while in prison, is now very high up in politics in Belize. So thankfully, even despite all of the hurdles placed in his way he's been able to thrive as well yeah exactly guys thank you so much for listening to this short and sharp one parter
0: of scandal we are on instagram at shameless podcast we will have a whole array of images there as always for you including that incredibly iconic JLo lo dress that we spoke about
1: yeah guys thank you as well to our remarkable researcher justine landers-hanley she did so much good work on this one if you want to keep up to date with us as well, come follow us on TikTok. We're at shameless underscore podcast. You will see some video snippets of this very recording. So come follow us over there. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. We will be back in your ears on Thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louie Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo. Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now.
0: See you there.
1: Bye.